Dateline, a long time ago, galaxy far, far away. The clone armies of the Republic are spread out across the galaxy, fighting droid armies of the Separatist movement. And from the front lines of the battle comes Frontline, the Clone War podcast, with your host, Michael Cohen. And now, Michael Cohen. Welcome to the 34th episode of Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast for the episode Grievous Intrigue. It is the first episode of 2010, or 2010, or 010, or whatever you, whatever you want to call it. Um, I like 2010. Yeah, I like 010. I've been telling people I'm going to say 010. Um, yeah, just, just to make people angry, because they're going to be like, it's not 010, it's 2010. I'm like, no, it's 010. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, I, I'm your host, Michael Cohen, and with me is my co-host, Matt. There we go, man. New year, <clears throat> new Clone Wars, new characters. We got Grievous back. Hey, it's all good. Yes. It's all good. Yeah, uh, it definitely kicked off the new year with a nice big bang. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, especially with Grievous having been gone for so long. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and, and I was kind of I was kind of glad to see him gone for a while because he was getting a little ridiculous with always running away and all that stuff last season at the beginning of the season. So it was cool to have him come back and actually be formidable, but we will talk about that when we get into things. Um, For those who are wondering, this won't be a double episode. We won't be talking about uh, the deserter, which was uh, aired back to back with grievous entry because uh, we've got a three week break coming up, right? Another three week break. Yeah. Yeah. So, What we're going to do in order for you guys to survive the, uh, the, the, you know, uh, the drought between now and the next new episode of Clone Wars, we're going to space these out as two episodes. Yeah. Uh, and also because we need to get into some news that happened just before Christmas break that we didn't get the opportunity to talk about. Um, yeah. And that I know a lot of you want to hear our opinions on, and that is The Force Unleashed 2. So uh, huge news. At the at the Spike uh, Video Game Awards, uh, it was it was announced, and the first trailer was shown. It's just a see, uh, uh, it's like a teaser trailer, just really quick of uh, the Force Unleashed two. Um, and as I watched it, I couldn't believe my eyes because I think that the Force Unleashed, as as everybody knows, the story is is one of my favorite expanded universe stories, and it wraps itself up nice and neatly. And deals with everything it needs to deal with, um, and uh, and spoiler alert for those who haven't beaten the game yet, you know, a year and a <laughs> half later, um, yeah. the apprentice dies at the end, no matter what you do. Like either way, in, in the one ending, he dies. He sacrifices himself in order for the uh, rebel leaders to escape and to go create the rebellion. Uh, or if you if you do the dark side one. Um, he he's killed, but then uh, the Emperor brings him back essentially the same way that he does to Vader. So he comes back right. as like this Sith monster. Um, so now does he come back as a Sith when, in this so, new game? Well, uh, in the new game, it's really weird because in this trailer, it starts with, with him walking down a hallway. And... Right. and uh, uh, it's I think it's Vader's voice and Yoda's voice, right? That right. are speaking to him, telling him, you know, uh, Vader's voice is telling him that that he's that he's gone, that he's done for, you know, that 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 he's got no hope, and and 
you know, that he should just give up and all that sort of stuff. And then Yoda is, is telling him that he needs to find himself, that, that he's lost and he needs to, uh, he needs to find himself in some way. And I don't know, like it, this is all sort of open to interpretation, I think. Uh, right, yeah. For now, what what exactly the story is going to be? I'm really hoping that it ends up being a really good story, um, and not just like a you know like we're going to talk about later uh, the whole Star Wars retcon of the past and uh, right. you know going back and and changing the ending of the first Force Unleashed because it was a great game and it had a great ending and the ending for me was one of the best parts. Um, oh yeah, definitely. So to go Did back you, uh, and do that might might not, but I'm thinking that it's it's a it's an undead purgatory afterlife sort of thing. I don't know, but that might be a little bit too esoteric for most. <laughs> yeah. Did you have any idea this was they were announcing a new game? Because I just found out just a few days before the Spike TV Awards through Twitter, everybody said, "Hey, a new Star Wars game coming out." So I had no I, idea. I this. did know that they were going to announce a new Star Wars game. I thought it was going to be. They, it wasn't that they were going to announce a new game. It's that LucasArts had a big announcement, and oh, I okay. thought that it was going to be a new trailer for uh, the Old Republic. Old Republic, and yeah. that they were mm-hmm. going to give the release date. Like that's because I thought that's huge news, right? Like that's the the, the Old Republic's going to be a massive game. It's going right. to just blow everything out of the water. It's the first uh, MMO, I, I think, that, that'll be able to compete with World of Warcraft. It's the first one that, that will be able to draw people away from that. So right. um, it's a pretty big you know, AAA release, like most Star Wars games are. But, um, right. but yeah, I was not expecting them to announce a completely new game that they hadn't said anything else about, particularly not the force unleashed too. So yeah. I don't know. What are your feelings? What do, what do you, well, what do you hope to get from it? Um, like I said, I was a little shocked to see, um, them go with the force unleashed because I thought the story was told. Um, but there's relatively hard, you know, no information on this game except for the trailer. Um, and a few other tidbits. Now, as far as the story, uh, I've said before that I thought the story of this game was excellent. Like he did. Um, best aspect of the game was was getting through the story and it looks like hayden blackman is going to be involved in the force unleashed 2 again um most likely writing it so i'm confident that they're going to do a good job as far as the writing now i think we both agree that some of the gameplay needs to be addressed um i know when this game came out there was a lot of glitches going on yeah and it looks like i think they rushed this thing and it wasn't quite ready for prime time, if you will. Um, so I think you know there's a, a little things, a few things to get get through on the gameplay, and if they can do that, um, they should have another hit on their hands. You know, I mean the trailer looked, of course, it was fantastic. You know, you got the apprentice walking through the hallway and basically doing what Vader did. He's crushing everything as he walks through. Yeah, and he gets into the arena with the, you see a giant um, rancor come flying out, getting thrown out. And here comes a bigger beast, you know. And, you know, of course, fantastic trailer. Um, yeah. What little we saw of it. So, you know, I got my fingers crossed. I, You know, the Force Unleashed, the first one, um, I thought was pretty darn good. And uh, like like I said earlier, just a few things they need to, to, to tweak a little bit. And 
hopefully uh, they'll get it right, you know, this time. As far as, you know, making it what it should have been the first time. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 my biggest hope is that they address the issues. Um, right. And they, they get rid of those glitches, especially when I went back when the Tatooine pack came out and I went back to play it again and, and, uh, and check that stuff out and see why see what it was like, you know, you know, to see what this new stuff was like, go back and, and play the game. And it's kind of like, it was really great the first time I played it because a lot of it was new, you know, the ability to control things with the force to that degree in three dimensions. Um, the, the, all the physics oh, and yeah. stuff like that were really cool. Like the way that you could bend the doors and everything great stuff. And the first playthrough getting through the story was awesome. But, um, yeah, going, going back and playing it a year later, a lot of those blemishes were a lot more noticeable. Right. And, uh, and I really hope that they fix that stuff that they, or that they at least address it, you know, um, and maybe take out some of the stuff that wasn't so great. And, and I would really appreciate it if they would stop just stealing Star Wars creatures from the movies and putting them on planets that they don't belong on because <laughs> Rancors and 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 a Sarlacc are not on Felucia, on Felucia. Um, yeah. and that was just them wanting to have a Rancor and a Sarlacc and putting them on Felucia for some reason. Um, right. So yeah, I, I I have my issues with that stuff, but that's not like a Force Unleashed thing. That's just a Star Wars thing. I get really sick of just seeing the same stuff that we've seen in all six movies, uh, all seven movies, I should say. Um, yes. <laughs> but from you know from the six live action films, put into other things. It's like when George went back to do the prequels, he didn't give them another ship that looked exactly the same as the Millennium Falcon, but gave it a different name and put some blue paint on it. You know that was there in the background, but it wasn't. You know, like it wasn't forefront sort of thing um, with most of the stuff um, until he started to tie things in, right? But, right, but yeah. like, it, you know, when he wanted to do the Rancor fa- fight again, he didn't just throw a Rancor on Geonosis and say, you know, like this is the biggest beast in the galaxy or something. He went, no, 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 we're going to have three new awesome ones. And he right. created the Reek and the uh, the Nexu and the Acklay. Um and so it's kind of yeah. like, you know, that that's that's the mentality that I think that they should be looking at to do this stuff as opposed to just recycling. You know, it's like, what are they going to put in the next one? Just like Tauntauns on some, you know. <laughs> on Tatooine? Yeah, well, on some semi planet. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just kind of a frosty planet. It's not a nice planet, you know. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's, I don't know. That, that's always just bothered me with everything. It's like you see the same the same three or four designs just recycled over and over and over again. Um, and all they do is they change a little thing here or they add this little thing on here and yeah. they, and they call it something else, you know? And I just, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's star Wars. There's unlimited potential and to keep going back to the same. Well, uh, I kind of bugs me, but yeah. So I'm hoping we'll see. We got, uh, yeah, it looks like a what, 2010. I think they're talking about sometime sometime this year. I, you know what? I don't know. I will see. I being that it's not very far along at all. Um, 
as far as we know, like from what we've seen. Um, it would make me think that maybe it's not. Maybe it's more of a, a 2011 release. Um, hmm. But who knows? Because they are just building on on a pre-existing engine. So yeah, um, I thought I heard 2010, but I could have been. Yeah, I don't. We'll, we'll see. Well, I think we'll see in the next little. Obviously, the end of the year. You know, more yeah. like they did the last time. Yeah, yeah. Um, it'll be. It'll probably be even closer to Christmas because because the Force Unleashed yeah. came out, and I think in August. Um, oh, September yeah. or something. So this will, this this release will probably be closer to November. I would think it's going to come out this year. Yeah, we will see, and we will keep you guys uh, yeah. informed. Oh yes, of course. Uh, so what's the second piece of news you got here? Let's see. The second piece was uh, basically got a list featuring uh, uh, Star Wars to start the new year. So StarWars.com um, had a few lists about our favorite franchise and uh, a few of the items I thought were kind of noteworthy over the last, I don't know, 10 years or so. Um, one of them was uh, the Phantom Menace ranks as number one as far as a Washington Times list as the five uh, most anticipated films. Um, I'm guessing all time. That's what I'm thinking. And I don't think there's any doubt that the Phantom Menace was the most anticipated oh, film yeah, of all time. For sure. Uh, I don't think anything will even match that as far as pre-hype and even Avatar. I mean, there was a lot of a lot of stuff, but Star Wars, I mean, it, it had everybody. Well, I don't think that we'll ever see that again because yeah. um, because as much as The Phantom Menace for us Star Wars fans was a great experience, you know, we've got a movie all about it with fanboys. Um, right. Because of how big of a disappointment it was to most people, we'll never see that again. Nobody, nobody's going to get their hopes up to that degree yeah, ever right. again. Because the Phantom Menace kind of it was, it was that that perfect storm sort of situation where oh yeah, it, it, it had been you know twenty five years or whatever since the first Star Wars and and uh, or more than twenty five, um, and. Uh, it was just it just you know built up to this great thing that everybody was anticipating and uh and then it was a disappointment so now that'll never happen again it'll never happen again because of the fact that the phantom menace wasn't everything that everybody thought it was going to be so it's yeah. like you see something like avatar which if phantom menace hadn't come out i think that avatar would have been closer to that sort of an experience than it was because with with the Phantom Menace and with 1999 sort of ushered in this decade of cynicism about new movies right. and about CG and about special effects. And it's like previous to that, everything was like, you know, it was Jurassic Park and it was uh, Independence Day and, and Men in Black and, and all these other movies that it was like nobody ever stopped to say that movie falls short because it has too many special effects. You know, and then and then with with the Matrix and uh, and the Phantom Menace in '99, it sort of got to this boiling point where where everybody kind of got sick of it, I guess. And then with the Phantom Menace, everybody thinking that that's why it was so bad. You know, that's why the Phantom Menace isn't a good movie because of Jar Jar Binks and stupid yeah. computer animated characters. And why are they putting cartoons in our movies? You know, um, yeah. that sort of. Thought, it? But it's like that's not you know. I'm sorry, but you talk to any kid who was eight years old or younger when the Phantom Menace came out, and they will tell you that they love Jar Jar Binks. 
They think he's the greatest. You talk to any kid who watches the Clone Wars that's that age, and he will tell you, they or they will tell you, he or she, will tell you that Jar Jar is awesome. There's nothing wrong with Jar Jar. He's hilarious. It's funny when he does stuff. You know, and it's like, uh, that. there's nothing wrong with that. But people decided to jump on that and uh, and really, really, you know, yeah. hate on special effects. So you get a movie like Avatar, and instead of people embracing it for what it is, um, they you get a whole bunch of people who haven't even seen the movie who are ripping on it just because it's full of CG and just because right. it's yeah. it's revolutionary in some aspect, you know, or at least it's being said that it's revolutionary. So I don't right. I get I get a little bit bent out of shape because it's like, you know what? Cynicism is kind of the thing that's making the world a difficult place to live in at the moment. Yeah. If people would just chill out and have a good time rather than <laughs> yeah. be so intent Have a good time. Yeah. Come well, on. Well, everybody's so intent on being the cool kid that thinks that that's not cool. And it's like, you know what? We're geeks. Yeah. And I and I won't trade that in for a second because when I watch movies I get blown away by stuff and maybe that's a perspective thing. And maybe I'm, you know, a goof for, for thinking that and, and for, for feeling that way when I watch movies, but I don't care. Like you can call me a goof or an idiot or whatever, or a geek or a nerd or a dork really doesn't make a difference to me because when it comes right down to it, I enjoy movies more than other people because of that. Because when I go to movies, it's my intent to enjoy it, not to tear it apart. Yeah. Right. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I got off well, that, there, but. <laughs> that kind of brings us around to, um, the next, one of the other posts they had about this was, um, sci-fi wire had a list of uh, movies that changed sci-fi for the good and some that didn't really, uh, change sci-fi, um, movies. And of course, Star Wars fall on the good side. And, uh, you know, I would argue that it was the sci-fi movie that changed cinema for science fiction and fantasy and, and all the action movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you could put in there maybe 2001 um, and maybe Close Encounters or something like that. But uh, I, I don't think it's – it's hard to deny that Star Wars wasn't this uh, – basically changed cinema yeah. as far as uh, – sci-fi and and blockbusters and the whole nine yards so yeah i i it's, it's pretty best. hard for anybody to argue against that um yeah not that there aren't people that don't try they go it's just oh, a yeah. movie it's like no actually it's not just a movie but that's okay um, yeah if you think it's just a movie watch the uh documentary um oh man it's on the star wars why am i drawing a blank now um the one that was on the special edition is a an Empire re- oh man what is it called yeah I was on a 2004 DVD bonus disc yeah yeah uh, I can't remember what it was called either yeah but it was I, something about an empire <laughs> yeah but anyway watch that I mean yeah. you get a whole new appreciation for yeah. what Lucas went through and the whole cast and all that when they first made this movie yeah. so um, watch that and then there was a few other things on the list uh, you know like George I didn't even know George Lucas had the term droid copyrighted and you know motorola has the droid and in their ad they have to uh put down a little small letters copyright or you know trademark of lucasfilm the droid so 
uh, PC World was uh, included that on their list. George Lucas is a genius. <laughs> I mean, one hundred. I mean, you know genius. Like we we got to have a like a podcast on just that. Um, his the uh, his genius. His uh, the bonus features on some of these discs because it goes into so many great yeah. things that throughout this you know his whole process. I mean, he like you said, he's a genius and. From taking the copy or the all the trademarks on all the toys and everything, I mean that was just total genius there, like you just said. But yeah. maybe we'll wait and I'll, I'll talk about that later. But like you said, uh, go ahead. What you were going to say? You were going to say he's a genius, but no, ahead. that's it. Just that he's a genius. That, that yeah. people who who try and take away from it, you know, those those cynical people that I was talking about before. Um, yeah, it's like you know what? You can say whatever you want because he's sitting in his huge mansion on uh, one of his you know many compounds around the world or whatever making movies and making tv shows and doing whatever the heck he wants to do you know yeah. like and and there's a reason why like it nobody gave that to him you know to make the first start like he almost killed himself oh yeah in 1976 yeah. trying to make that movie and uh and, and, you know, he's got something to show for it. And people yeah. don't seem to understand that. People who, don't, who aren't that into Star Wars haven't, haven't taken that time to learn who George Lucas is. And they're really quick to just sort of make fun of him and take him down a peg because, you know, he makes these silly science fiction movies. Um, but it's, it's so much more than that. I mean, that just... Just look at how much of our world is shaped by the influence of, of stuff like Star Wars and silly, other silly science fiction movies, so or yeah. science fiction in general. So the uh, the uh, documentary is called Empire of Dreams. There you it's go. on the okay. 2000, 2004 DVD um, box set. Check that out if you haven't seen it. You get a whole new appreciation of of Lucas and actually the whole team that was involved in this. It's a great documentary, so you got to check that out. Yeah, for sure. And then the last thing we got is um, Monster List uh, has Revenge of the Sith and Fanboys as the top ten, one of the two of the top ten geek films of the last decade. So that was a little list to start the new year, and um, we got another list I want to go through next podcast um, about uh, the decade, the last decade. So we'll get into that next week. But uh, you wanted to add some collecting news as well. Yeah, definitely. I uh, since since we we did our last episode, um, StarWars.com had had several features on uh, on their new uh, line that they're that they're producing in conjunction with Adidas, and uh, and they are coming out later this month. I think that they're slated for around the middle of the month, the fifteenth, uh, to start showing up in stores. Um, they're part of the Adidas Originals collection, so that means that you're probably only going to be able to either order them online or find them at uh, at a Star Wars, not Star Wars, an Adidas Originals uh, retail location. So um, some of the ones that they've got here, they've got a, a Yoda sneaker, X-Wing sneaker, Darth Vader, TIE Fighter, Stormtrooper, uh X-Wing pilot, they're called Skywalkers, the Millennium Falcon shoe, uh, these just general Star Wars ones, the Death Star, the AT-AT ones. I mean, you know, like, I can't, we can't, we can't really, yeah. um, 
describe them too much because we wouldn't be doing it justice. Some of these shoes are very awesome. The uh, yeah, yeah. The, the ones that stand out for me are definitely the X-Wing, the TIE Fighter, the um, the Skywalkers, which are like the Rebel Pilot style ones, and the AT-AT ones. These yeah. are some very, very cool shoes. Like uh, the Skywalkers in particular are my favorite because they're orange with white stripes. Right. And then they've got sort of that... Um, that ribbed, uh, you know, the white part, the, the the part that's on the vest of the of the of the oh, X-wing yeah, pilot yeah. Uh, right. uniform that the that the control panel that sits on their chest sits in, on top of. They've got that as as part of the shoe, like as part of the texture, and it's just it's the sort of thing that as Star Wars fans, you can wear these, and no one will know, yeah, un- unless they take a good close look at your shoes that they're star Wars shoes. It's not like they've got like some of them. I mean, some of them do have, uh, you know, pictures of star Wars characters and stuff on them. But for the most part, they're, they're really shoes inspired by star Wars designs. And, uh, and some of them are very cool. I'm definitely going to be picking up a couple of pairs in the next. Well, this, like you said, the stormtrooper one has, if you look at it from behind yeah. the shoe, you can see the face, the mouth and the, and the eyes. Um, so, but like, yeah, you know, you, you'd have to really look closely. Um, you probably wouldn't even notice if you someone didn't say, "Hey, you know, check out the shoes right there." You know, you'd really have to be paying attention. Yeah, but for sure. uh, yeah, they're pretty cool. Not bad at all. Yeah. So and then they've also got some t-shirts and uh, and hoodies, and yeah. that sort of thing. And you can, if you haven't seen them, you can head over to StarWars.com. Uh, just go on the search bar and put in Adidas, and I think it's one of the first or second uh, articles that comes up in the search. At least when I was looking for it, and you can head to to the Adidas online store and see some of the some of the older stuff because they did stuff last year in two thousand and nine, but it wasn't um, they weren't that exciting. They had a pair of Darth Vader ones that were just pretty much black Adidas, and a pair of Stormtrooper ones that were pretty much just white Adidas. But they didn't have any of these sort of in joke kind of designs like these new ones do. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely check them out if you are in the market for that sort of thing. I'm going to be getting the Skywalkers and the AT-AT ones because I think that they're the coolest of the, of the shoes that they've put out. But, uh, yeah. the X-Wing ones are pretty, pretty close after. Yeah. Not bad at all. I got to go for the Vader. Hey. Yeah. And the Stormtrooper maybe. Those look pretty cool. <laughs> Something to wear to C5. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. I will. I will for sure be sporting my Skywalkers at, uh, nice. at C five. Probably Sweet. the I want to get because uh, uh, Mark Echo did a Rebel Pilot hoodie <clears throat> as well. Yeah. Um, so I want to get that, and then the Skywalkers, and then I want to see if I can find a um, a Rebel Pilot helmet for uh, like a belt buckle. That would be oh yeah. That would yeah. be about as cool as it gets, I think. I think that I could I could proudly walk around C five in that outfit. Yeah. But uh, don't don't any of you steal that from me, by the way. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be cheesed off if I yeah. see anybody else walking around like that. That's Mike's. Yeah, yeah. That's my look. Yeah. Uh yeah, so so that is our bit of collecting news. Other than that, there's not really a lot coming out. Um, Toy Fair will be coming up, I think, towards the end of January or in February at some point, at which yeah. point we will see a crap load of new stuff. 
So um, I'm sure we'll see we'll see some really cool stuff in the next little bit for collecting. But uh, but that's about it for now. Alrighty then. So with that, I guess we can get into the to the uh, weekly recap. Alrighty then, let's head on over. We would be honored if you would join us. Alright, here we go. Deep in the Outer Rim, an enormous Separatist destroyer pelts a lone Jedi cruiser into submission. Aboard the Republic craft, Jedi Master Eeth Koth readies his troops to repel borders. An armored docking tube connects both ships, and super battle droids march into the captured cruiser, blasting away at Captain Locke and his squad of clone trooper defenders. A lightsaber pierces through the bridged bulkhead doors and begins carving a large circle. Grievous kicks his way through the breach, flanked by a cracked quad of commando droids. The agile invaders cut through the clones, and one even lands a blaster shot on Eeth Koth's arm. Koth continues fighting, slicing through the last of the commandos before the next wave of invaders arrive. Electro-staff-wielding Magna Guard droids. Backed by his bodyguards, Grievous enters the fray. Koth valiantly defends himself, but he is outnumbered and injured, and Grievous inevitably overpowers him. Hey, Mike. Eeth Koth, isn't it? I've been looking forward to meeting you. <laughs> Your reputation precedes you, General. The reputation of a coward and a murderer. Murderer? Is it murder to rid the galaxy of you, Jedi? So here it is, man. We kick off this episode with some kick butt action, man. We yeah. got Eighth Cough, we got Grievous back. Great lightsaber fight. I love how Grievous starts us off with hey, Eighth Cough, huh? Okay, like okay, I've heard of you, but but here comes the pain, you know? Yeah. And uh just a perfect way to start the, the new year, the episode, and the episode just keeps going on like this. But uh here we go. Here we go. We got Eve Koth, okay? Okay. Now, we've heard from Dave Filoni that, okay, first of all, he appeared in episode one. He did appear in episode two, briefly. And then there was a, kind of a mix-up on actors for episode two, and they had to switch actors. So he looked a little different, the new actor. So Lucas says, okay, let's make him a new character. Mm-hmm. Filoni comes in, okay, says... Is he dead or what? What's going on? I thought he died. Oh no, George. What do you think, George? Can I can I keep him alive? Yeah, I'll go ahead. Oh boy, here we go. And then and then Key Eighth Cop was supposed to apparently die in this episode, but Filoni liked him so much, Decided he kept to him keep in. Him so yeah. you know what? I, I like the character, but we talked about this earlier. You know, it's like kind of frustrating. 
you know, and I know you wanted to speak on this, so I'll let you go ahead and speak on this. Well, it's fitting that Ethcoth is a Zabrak and that we have discussed him in this vein already several times on the show. Because um, this kind of goes right back into the whole Zabrak Iridonian massacre yeah. uh, of a discussion that we've been having over the past, like since September, uh, since, since you came on the show, or I guess that was August. Yeah. Um, since since Matt came on, we've been talking about this, trying to hash this out and figure out exactly where everything stands. And uh, and this is a prime example of what I've been talking about, where there are several sources for us fans that tell us that Eth Koth was killed in between episode one and episode two, or or at some point during episode two, right. or something like that. That, that he was dead. I mean, like, that was 90% sure that he was dead. And, uh, and then here you go, you get, you get Dave Filoni making a decision to, um, to bring this character in. And I don't know, I don't know why they specifically decided that it had to be Eth Koth. Yeah. Like, that's kind of the thing that gets me, is, like, why, did, why do you have to go back and rewrite the history in order to do this. You really don't because Eth Koth and Agen Kolar are the same freaking character. Like when it comes right down to it, Eth Koth just sat there with his hands folded in his lap <laughs> in episode one. And then right. Agen Kolar just jumps into the battle in, on Geonosis in episode two. And that's it. And then we see Agen Kolar get killed by Sidious in, in episode three. So right. there's nothing that differentiates these two characters there's nothing that differentiates these two images as characters to begin with. They have no character. Other than their visual style, there's nothing character about either either member of the Jedi Council, like Eeth Koth or Egan Kolar. So why would you need to bring back Eeth Koth from beyond the grave, essentially, when you've got Egan Kolar running around? He looks almost exactly the same. He's right. got a different colored robe different skin tone. Right. Um, you know, I mean, for more or less, for, for as much as we see them in the movies, they could be the same actor. We would never know, you know, like, except for the fact that they were visually distinct from one another. So what's the point of this? Well, the point of this is that they can, so they decide to, right. you know, and rather than respect the stuff that's out there, they go, no, 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 no. we want to do this, so we're going to do this. And and I think that that's that's kind of at the heart of of the issues that I'm having. Um, they do things like produce, you know, all of these books that are supplementary books to the films. They're not novels. They're 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 works of fiction because they're obviously not about real stuff. But they're written in this nonfiction format of the encyclopedia and. Uh, and the chronologies and the essential guides and all of that sort of stuff. But, you know, they write one one year and then they disregard it the next year. Right. And um, I guess that that's really where I get into it is that they try and say, oh, no, this is the definitive source now. You know, this is, this is the truth. This is what we abide by. We've got this thing called the Holocron running around. And, and Dave Filoni even says in, in the commentary for this episode, he consulted the guys who, who keep the holocron, who, who 
keep track of all that stuff. And they said, yeah, well, he's supposed to be dead, but there's nothing really that says that he is. There's yeah. mentions, you know, rumors and that sort of stuff. But there's no hard evidence. But when you go back and, like, I don't have the encyclopedia. I don't, I don't have some of these other sources. But it came from somewhere that Ethcoth was dead. And uh, and I and I'm sure at one point it was on the databank on the website, which can so easily be changed. And uh, and it's it's the same sort of thing as the Zabrak Iridonian thing, where once I'm I'm positive that they were separate species, now they're the same thing. And now we're going back and we're saying, oh, this isn't the case, and you know this is changing, and we just decided we wanted this character for no real reason other than the fact that we could. And and yet there's there's us fans out there who are shelling out a hundred, a hundred and fifty, two hundred dollars for books because we're fans and we want answers to this stuff. I mean, I don't have the encyclopedia because it really doesn't matter to me one way or the other, but I know it matters to you guys out there listening. And I know that I need to keep track of this stuff so that when we discuss things, I don't get it wrong because that's how these arguments start in the first place, right? Like that's how all of this happens. And so if they're going to go to the effort of putting resources out there for us um, to sort of live by as Star Wars fans, because it's a lifestyle choice at this point, yeah. um, especially for, for guys like us who, you know, I mean, you're 501st, I'm, yeah. you know, starting podcasts all, around, all over the place and, you know, like <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, respect us fans who who are trying to use these things as, as genuine resources and for the fans who are out there that are trying to, to keep a handle on this stuff. And I mean, there's so much junk coming out and I mean junk, like I'm not just throwing that word around. There's a lot of junk that comes out every year for star Wars and it gets worse and worse every year. And it's hard enough to keep track of it as it is. But when you start going back and changing it after the fact, then like, at this point, it's kind of like, what is the point? What's the point of keeping track of any of it? I'm never going to buy a Star Wars encyclopedia or an essential chronology or a guide to blah, blah, blah ever again. Like, I've made that decision as of now. <laughs> as they, of starting now, yeah. They, like, <clears throat> since, since seeing him just so casually decide, and it's sort of, it's, I'm sure that Dave Filoni didn't really think when he went out there and said it, you know, when he did that commentary, he was just kind of saying, oh, well, this is a funny anecdote of how we decided to bring Eve Koth back. I don't think that he realized that there's some fans out there who are offended by that and that it's damning evidence that says, essentially, you guys don't care about the work that we put into it as fans because you're just going to do whatever you want to do. And so... Like, I can no longer in good faith purchase stuff like that. I can't, you know, rely on the databank as as a reliable source of information because what's up there right now may not be up there next year. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of like, what's the point in being a Star Wars fan and what's the point in getting into this stuff to this degree if they're just going to change it out from under us? Um, that being said... I don't really think that Ethcoth is that cool of a character in the Clone Wars. I think that he really could have died and it wouldn't have mattered to me. Uh, he, he was, other than his accent, they didn't develop anything else about the character. 
Yeah. Um, you could have assumed that he was strong enough not to sort of break under Grievous's torture and that sort of thing because he's a member of the Jedi Council. Yeah. So, you he's know, still. Yeah, member of the Jedi Council is a member of the Jedi Council. Now, he's not a member of the Jedi Council in Episode 3, so he is going to die at some point during the Clone Wars. Yeah. I wonder if he was maybe a a character that Filoni liked and said, you know what, I want to try to get him to come back in the in this series, and that's when he asked George. And then I can this, see that. I can said, see hey, that. Go but, ahead, you know. Um, it's one thing to take Plo Koon, who's a character that's in all three prequels, and, and you know that we have a definitive um, middle and end for, let's say, because we don't really have definitive beginning for the character. But we have a middle and end for sure. We see him on the Jedi Council in Episodes 2 and 3. Uh, we see him battling with his lightsaber, doing all that crazy stuff. And then we see him die in episode, or in episode two, sorry. And then we see him die in episode three, right. uh, in in a Jedi starfighter. So there it is. You know, we've got definitive stuff about him. We know he's around. We know what kind of character he is. We know what he's capable of. He's obviously wise. He's on the Jedi Council. He's obviously a good starfighter pilot, because he's in his starfighter in episode three. So why why else would you put him in there? You know, like these are d- defining characteristics. So put him in the show. And flesh his character out more. That's fine by me. But a character that has barely anything to do with anything and no real... Like, like what makes him a cool character? What makes Heath Koth a cool character? And in my opinion, absolutely nothing. And then in this episode, other than being the... the, the uh, What do they call it? The thing that they have to go after in a movie. The MacGuffin. MacGuffin, yeah. Other than being the MacGuffin, you know, he's a living MacGuffin. He's like the Holy Grail or the Ark of the Covenant in an Indiana Jones movie. He's just the impetus for for the other characters to go on their adventure. And he really doesn't have anything to contribute to the episode otherwise. Um, They may come back and redeem him later on and give him him something cool later. But, uh, But as it stands... It really could have been anybody. And I'd rather... I would rather have seen a new Jedi a completely 100% new Jedi than another recycled character. And that goes back to what I said in the, in the force unleashed part Um, that I'm just tired of seeing like, you know, we've seen these characters. That's, that's great. That's neat. But do, do what the comics do, do what the books do introduce some new stuff, you know, or at least use some of the stuff that we haven't seen yet that we want to see stuff from the expanded universe. I mean, We'll get into this when we talk about Deserter, but, um, you know, bring in the Republic Commandos already. We're a season and a <laughs> yeah, half in. Ready for that, huh? Everybody's favorite clone trooper is either an ARC trooper or a Republic Commando. Now, ARC troopers have been phased out in favor of commanders and captains, right? Like, that's sort of a situation of retconning that, that we've all come to terms with, and I'm fine with that. Um Rex is, in fact, Alpha. He's supposed to be Alpha. They just didn't want to have Anakin, Ahsoka, and Alpha and have, like, the three of them. And then if you also have R2 with his phonetically spelled name. You know, you've got four characters with A for their initial, you know. So they thought, you know, we'll change his name. But if you look at him, Rex is Alpha. He looks exactly the same. They just added some little designs to his helmet to make him different. Um, But... But come on, bring in some Republic Commandos already. How awesome would they look in this style? Yeah. And we've got we've got droid commandos. We've got rocket battle droids, which were only in one episode, and I don't know why they haven't brought them back. 
uh, super battle droids, I should say, the rocket super battle droids. You know, they've done all these different things with all this other stuff. They keep putting in new ships, which is something that we'll get into later in this episode. You know, we see a couple of new ships oh, yeah. that, that were awesome, just wicked, wicked ship designs. Um, and we keep getting all that new stuff. But it's like bring in some new, some completely new stuff, 100% new stuff, like new Jedi. Um, I don't know. I guess yeah. I guess uh, Master Ropel was new, but then he died right away. <laughs> yeah, I would have rather have seen Eeth Koth be the one who holds the Jedi holocron, and he died, and then see Master Ropel in this role, and then go on to live. So I'll just say that that's that's, there you go. that's my uh, that's my final thought on on Eeth Koth in uh, in this episode. But things are the way they are, and I will learn to live with it, and we will continue this episode as uh, as we need to continue. <laughs> we're we're not even past the first scene yet, and uh, and I will talk. That's okay. You know, yeah. hey, we got to figure it out, and uh, it's yeah. you know, Filoni knew it was going to be a point of contention because his whole behind the scenes uh, commentary was about that. Yeah. So so well, I contend. I contend, Mr. Filoni. I'm calling <laughs> you out, Dave. You come on this show and you defend uh, your position. But you know what? Like I said earlier, though, it was a kick-butt scene, though. And yeah, it was a kick-butt scene. It was, it was an awesome way to kick off 2010. Yeah. Um, yeah I couldn't have asked for a better way to start the <clears> second <throat> half of season two. Yeah. It, it was awesome, and the episode continues to be awesome from after that. So let's, uh, let's talk about the rest of it. Okay. On Coruscant, within the Jedi Temple War Room, the assembled Jedi receive a gloating holographic transmission from Grievous. Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi examine the projected image alongside much of the Jedi Council, including Mace Windu, Yoda, Adi Galea, and conferencing remotely Kit Fisto, Plo Koon, Luminari Unduli, and Ki-Adi Mundi. Grievous boasts of his victory. To him, this war is not a matter of politics or separatism, a cyborg warrior only lives to see Jedi die. So I've, I just have two quick notes to make, and we don't really have to discuss them. I don't know if I've ever seen this, but I have to go back and look. But I don't think I've ever seen in any official G-level canon before a red hologram. I I can only recall yeah, blue ones. Um, sometimes they have a different sort of hue of blue to them, but as far as I recall, they're all blue. And then we see in this, in the in the war room hologram. Actually, you know what? I'm. It looked familiar, though. I've somewhat. completely just nullified my own point and answered my own question because they're in the war room and the war room in episode three when they show it. Right. Okay. Multicolored holograms, and then on top of that, episode the war room two, right? From no, the war room from. Uh, oh, but yeah, episode two as well because the on Geonosis it's red. It's Is a that red star? Hologram. Yeah. yeah, and uh, and then going back even further, I thought it looked uh, familiar. Return of the Jedi, they have multicolored holograms in that, specifically red ones, for the Death Star, for the second Death Star. Yeah, so, you answered your own question. So, geez, I answered my own question, but <laughs> I thought that it was cool that they decided to do that, that they made yeah. that decision. I did that, that when he transmitted, that when Grievous transmitted, he transmitted it in red because he's a bad guy. You know, like that. I'm sure that was the decision that was made. Yeah. And that kind of stuff I can live with when they make arbitrary decisions. Like, let's make the hologram red just because it's neat. <laughs> um, and then the second point is what Yoda says in here. Or maybe he says it in the next little. I think I know where you're going. But he makes the comment uh, about about their intelligence that 
that he doesn't trust it. It's not always accurate. Huh? Yeah, yeah, it's not always accurate. I thought you were going to say that, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I just thought that that was a really cool... It was one line, and it was a total throwaway, and if you weren't paying attention, you could have missed it. But it said a lot. And especially, you know, Tom Kane's performance of Yoda is so spot on. Oh, yeah. And it's so there's so much wisdom in his words whenever he talks on this series. Yeah. Um, to a degree that I would say even even in episodes one, two, and three that, that Frank Oz wasn't quite hitting. Right. Um, yeah, it was just, it was that astute observation of Yoda, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, he's probably thinking, uh, you know, it, or actually made me think of episode two, and uh, isn't Camino supposed to be here? No, I don't think Camino's here. Uh, I think you guys are, your intelligence was a little off there, so yeah, that's what and I, then, I made and me think also, of that. It also makes me think of episode three, when it's um, the the Chancellor, when it's Palpatine reporting to the Jedi that his troops, his special security commandos or whatever, like his special intelligence clones have found Grievous. And it's like, oh, really? Your clones found Grievous? How uh-huh. convenient. <laughs> you know, that they report directly to you and then you report to us. Yeah. So you can tell them where Grievous is, they'll go find him and then tell you that that's where he is so you can tell us. You know, it was sort of that whole thing. And I think that that was, that was Yoda sort of starting to voice that concern that the Chancellor's not who he says he is, that there's right. something going on there. So yeah. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, so let's continue. Uh, Plo Koon's clone officer, Commander Wolf, reports a discovery in Grievous's transmission. By focusing on the otherwise inert form of Eeth Koth, the Jedi spot hidden hand gestures that the fallen Jedi Master is using to communicate his location, the Salukamai system. Kenobi, Skywalker, and Galia volunteer to rescue Koth. This was a really cool moment, just oh, yeah. doing that. So there you go. There's one point for you, Eeth Koth. Yeah. Because you can use hand gestures. Hand gestures. I figure out where he was. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Kenobi commands from the bridge of the light cruiser while Anakin, Captain Rex, and Adi Galea form the insertion team aboard a refitted ambassadorial shuttle. The plan is for Kenobi's forces to engage Grievous, luring the general aboard the light cruiser. While this happens, Kenobi will transmit precise vector coordinates for the general's command ship to the shuttle. So yeah, these were these were the new ships that I was talking about. Yeah, One nice. Is- Clearly based off of the old concept drawings from the uh, the uh, Imperial shuttle from Return of the Jedi. Um, if you go back and check out the the art of Return of the Jedi, you can see that. Yeah. Uh, and then this this other one, I couldn't quite figure out why they decided to make this new ship until the ship docks because it docks with Grievous's cruiser, and uh, and when it does, you you suddenly realize why it's got those docking ports on either side of of the ship um and you're kind of like oh that makes sense that's exactly uh and and you see why they decided to make a new ship specifically for that purpose in the show right um so like behind the scenes it's kind of like oh that was a little contrived you know they made this new ship just for this one shot you know just for this one piece of plot but it is an awesome new ship so whatever the excuse that they can come up with to make new ships i'm all good with it you know oh yeah yeah this is uh it's sort of a smaller version of a of a star destroyer um but it's not a destroyer because it's it's so small it's just small yeah it's a little transport cruiser yeah very very cool yeah 
Um, so as Grievous prepares to land on Seleucami, the Republic ship pops out of hyperspace. Grievous brags to a captive Koth, suspended in a static charge containment field, that he has been expecting this rescue mission and is prepared for it. Nice. The Republic, the smaller Republic escort vessels move forward to dry out the Separatist warships. Kenobi hails Grievous in the exchange terse words before Grievous cuts off the communications. The general orders all cannons to fire, but warns his droids to be alert. Where there is Kenobi, there is often also Skywalker. TV-94, a tactical droid on the bridge, warns Grievous that the escort vessels are faster and more maneuverable than Grievous's destroyer. But the general is set on boarding the light cruiser in order to face Kenobi face to face. The space battle begins. Kenobi orders the Resolute to move in and keep Je- uh, Grievous's fleet engaged to cover Anakin's arrival. Admiral Yularen acknowledges and moves the cruisers into the fray. Grievous's destroyer locks onto Kenobi's cruiser with a tractor beam and begins reeling it in. And this was all part of uh, Kenobi's plan. Um, he's basically. Uh, distracting Grievous yeah. so Anakin can get in there and do what he's got to do. And it said earlier, and it, it, it'll say this again, or it references it again, is Grievous is starting to figure out how the Jedi work and how Kenobi works. He finally figured yeah. out that wherever Kenobi is, Skywalker's there, so i got to have a backup plan for everything I do. So, yeah. actually, we'll get into that <clears throat> in, a few, uh, in a few minutes, but uh, I just wanted to point that out. Uh, you want to go ahead? Yeah, having oh, right. re- uh, where are we at? Uh, having received? Yeah, having received the exact coordinates of Grievous's destroyer from Commander Cody, Anakin leaps his shuttle through hyperspace, emerging in the thick of the battle only scant meters above Grievous's hull. Skywalker uses his amazing piloting skills to land undetected on the destroyer's superstructure and powers down. This has to be in my top. This is like my top three awesome moments. Uh, I was hoping you were gonna so far. I hope you're gonna want to talk about this. This was really cool. Go yeah, ahead. this this uh, you know what I would say it, it's in my top three moments of Clone Wars so far. Wow, um, that's saying something right there. And I'm gonna say it's in my top five Star Wars moments of all time. Wow, for action sequences because this would be an otherwise boring and and just sort of you know run of the mill space battle. But then, you know, all that crap that we hear in episode four of how great a pilot Skywalker exactly. is, you know, yes. Obi-Wan says, you know, your father was the best star pilot I ever knew and all that sort of stuff. And, and you know, that's where Luke gets his skills from. And that's what allows him to blow up the Death Star and survive that and everything else and all these other things. And it's such a huge part of Star Wars lore. And then really not until episode three do we get to see any of that. See a bit of it in episode two, but it's not real or episode one. But it's kind of this goofy, he accidentally has all these skills because the Force is telling him what to do and guiding his movements or whatever because he's a kid. But we don't really get to see skill, right? We just get to see luck. Like, he's got this incredible luck. And then in Episode 3, we get to see a little bit of his skill but in in the opening sequence. But he ends up coming off more of a goof because he's shooting at Obi-Wan's fighter and then he's ramming his wing into the side of his wing. You know, like... It's this sort of goofy sequence between the two of them that I like. I love the opening to, to Revenge of the Sith. But um, this, is, this show is really showing us how great of a pilot he is. 
And this is a prime example. And just for how much this impacts the rest of the series and it develops his character and it shows us what we've been wanting to see, nobody else would dare bring a ship in out of hyperspace that close. And and him and Skywalker and, and Galia have a conversation aboard the ship before this happens. And she says, how close are you going to bring the ship in? <laughs> out of hyperspace. And he's like, oh, pretty close. And she's like, define pretty close. And he's like, close enough and he doesn't define it and he just, he's being really dodgy about it but not, nobody else on the ship cares like everybody else is like this is skywalker he's just up to his regular crap like we are so used to this by now <laughs> and yeah. then you get this jump in and normally you get the ships and they kind of jump in far away from the battle or on the outskirts of the planet and you know they sort of make their way into a battle that sort of thing, like like you know, in Return of the Jedi or in uh, in in A New Hope or or any of the prequels or anything like that, and then in this we see him jump right in between a right. bunch of other ships. He jumps clear past all of the Republic ships, right? Like so, obviously he set this up with all of with the fleet beforehand. Like this was all part of the plan, and everybody else is in their position, so he can come in straight through. And jumps in, like it says, meters away from Grievous's ship. And then flips it upside down and flies underneath the thing right away. And then lands on the bottom of it. Like, this is some Han Solo style stuff. <laughs> yeah. like, we have not seen anybody other than Han pull off a move like that. Right. And we don't even get to see Han do it. We just see Han turn the ship around, fly towards the Star Destroyer, and then they lose him. Right. And then... We're just supposed to believe that Han's such a great pilot that he flipped the ship around and docked it on the side of the Star Destroyer without anybody noticing. Like, that's how good he is. But yeah. we actually see the play-by-play of Anakin doing this with this shuttle on Grievous's ship. And it is just that moment when the ship jumps in and you get everything sort of pulling into view like it does when you jump out of hyperspace... And uh, and to have it not just be the stars, but to be all of these ships all around and everything's moving. And that's kind of the other thing that makes it really cool is that all these ships are doing stuff like there's blasts, you know, explosions and and everything's in mid battle when he does this. And it just it all comes together to be one of the greatest moments in Star Wars history for me that it was just like that's. Stuff like that is why I watch this show and why I why I'm into Star Wars, you know, as a sci-fi fan. Uh, you know, there's the fantasy aspect of it that's sort of a, a separate thing. But when it comes to the action sci-fi, this is exactly what what I want to see. I want to see more stuff like this, and and it was it was just awesome. I can't say enough how much I love this scene. Yeah, that was that was what I had jotted down some notes, and this was one of the scenes where. Like you just said, you know, this is where we get to see in the Clone Wars the pilot he is. And the second thing was the shot of the camera angle over his shoulder as it comes out of light speed. And like you said, not in front of the battle. I mean, he's in the battle because he has to do this. Otherwise, we're going to know he's there. Yeah. And only he's going to, you know, he's the only one that's going to be able to do this. So the shot of him over his shoulder as he's coming out. And he's flying in between these ships, trying to slow this thing down. And then, like you said, flips it over and he's upside down and they're done. It's a matter of seconds and he's on the ship yeah. undetected. So, um, 
you know, I can't can't say enough about that. I mean, you you nailed it. Everything that I thought you you had mentioned. Yeah. So, well, it was one of those scene. things that when they when they made this plan a few a few seconds ago, um, in the in the episode, and then you're like, how? What? Like this? Such a this is your average lame cartoon show plan. <laughs> just to get all the characters where they're supposed to be. And, you know, we're going to pretend like they've got a strategy. And we've seen this before on Clone Wars, yeah. where it's like, really, that's your strategy? Because your strategy flies in the face of an actual strategy. I mean, we had that conversation with uh, with Weapons Factory. That right. it's like, you, your strategy actually goes in the face of what you said your strategy can't be. So we're so used to that, that to see this, I was, I was just kind of expecting him to jump in like normal, fly in through all the other ships and it's like oh it's just because of the battle we're supposed to believe that they didn't that there aren't enough droids to have detected anakin coming in you know like they just they were so busy they just thought he was any other ship and didn't notice him docking with theirs um and then you get this and i mean you can ask my girlfriend when i was watching the episode she was in the other room and i freaked out like when this happened i was just like i I had been just sort of sitting back watching and this people say, you know, you'll be on the edge of your seat and that sort of thing. This happened. And from the rest, from that moment on for the rest of the episode, I was sitting literally on the edge of the couch trying to get closer to the TV because (laughs) it just drew me in so much that like you said, it was over the shoulder and it was just this view as if you were in the ship with them coming out of hyperspace in the midst of all this stuff. And it was so well done that I would like, I just went crazy. I was like, Oh my God, that was awesome. This is the coolest episode (laughs) ever. You know, this, this is the first episode for me that, that can even begin to compete uh, with, with, um, the, you know, children of the force was really good because it was a great story, but, and there was some okay action in it, but really, you know, the action was kind of par for the course. The story was what was really great there. With this episode, the action was so beyond anything else we've gotten in the Clone Wars so far. Right. It was it was the movie. I mean, I went on Twitter right after I watched the episode and sort of tweeted that, that this was as yeah. close to the movies as I think they've gotten. So far, yeah. The series. Yeah. Cool. Um, Skywalker, Gulia, Rex, and several other clones then cut their way aboard the Destroyer. Anakin orders Rex and the clones to guard their entrance while he and Addy penetrate deeper into the flagship to find the bridge where Ethkoth is held. Aboard the light cruiser, Kenobi and Cody prepare to face borders as a docking tube connects both ships. Their plan is to keep Grievous engaged long enough for Skywalker to complete his mission. The first wave of invaders consists of commando droids. They are followed by Magna Guards and finally Grievous himself. As Grievous engages Kenobi, he brags that he knows what Kenobi is plotting. He knows Skywalker has boarded his vessel and is attempting to free Koth. Skywalker and Galia cut their way past battle droid security to arrive at the bridge. There, they see Master Koth suspended in a containment field, but the tactical droid tending to him hardly seems surprised to see the Jedi. At his order, commando droids pop out from behind control stations ready to face the Jedi. The whole rescue mission is a trap. So I spoke a little bit earlier about how Grievous is starting to figure out yeah. uh, the Jedi, and here we find out that, yeah, he did. He, he figured that they were going to come for for Koth, and even the the uh, TC droid or the tactical droid is like, 
even I'm impressed that uh, that Grievous finally figured figured you guys out. So you have the were those assassin droids that came out or commando droids? Commando droids. Commando droids. Yes, commando right. Droids. Commando droids. Okay. So those are a little more a little more agile, and they use they use actually a hard uh, bladed weapon and blasters. So. Yeah, the only the only uh, opportunity that I think that they missed in this episode was to show why a Jedi would be afraid of a bladed weapon and why, yeah, like a hard blade weapon and why anything would try and use that against a Jedi. And it was as I was watching this battle that's about to commence. Um, they're fighting these commando droids with with these big. They're sort of like giant machetes. Right. And uh, and I was just thinking, you know what? Like these things are just jumping, like they're sort of like hail mary jumping at the at, at the Jedi, Jedi right? Yeah. Like just you know, if one of them can get through, that's all it takes, right? They just right. got just one of them needs to cut a Jedi, and then and then they've served their purpose. Um, and the, you know, the blasters will keep them busy while while the these uh, machete wielding ones come in, and. Uh, and you see this this one jump towards it, and I just thought, what if? And I was, I think she, it was jumping towards Eddie Galea, and I was like, what if she blocks that blade with her lightsaber? Sure, it's gonna cut right through the sword, but it's not gonna stop the sword, right? Right? It's not like it's not like sword to sword combat where you block with your sword and it's gonna stop the other. Like that's the whole point of blocking with a sword. But if you're blocking with a lightsaber. All you're going to do is cut that into two blades that are flying towards you at a fast <laughs> right. speed. So yeah. I was like, man, they really missed an opportunity to show that these things are super dangerous, even though they've got lightsabers and they have swords. If you tried to block one, you just cut right through it right. and and probably still get cut. And I really wanted to see one of them get injured. <laughs> which is yeah. sort of, I guess that sadistic sounding, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. wanted to see the reality of it so that, so that, you know, you could shut people up about, you know, Knights of the old Republic and how these guys are running around with swords and, yeah. you know, meanwhile there's Jedi or whatever. I mean, it still doesn't fully deflate that, but, um, but at least it, it offers something like, you know, a vibro blade is still a weapon to contend with yeah. in the star Wars universe. So definitely. Um, Grievous and his bodyguard droids overwhelm Kenobi. Grievous extends all four of his mechanical arms to land a finishing blow. Your plans have come to ruination, Jedi. I hear a lot of talking, General, but in the final accounting, what does all the talk get you? A futile quest for power, a mutilated body, and your place is Dooku's errand boy. I'm no errant boy. I am not in this war for Dooku's politics. I am the leader of the most powerful droid army the galaxy has ever seen. An army with no loyalty, no spirit, just programming. What have you to show for all your power? What have you to gain? The future. A future where there are no Jedi. Story of Obi-Wan Kenobi ends here. 
Okay, we get another kick butt action scene here, and a kick butt action scene along with some really good great dialogue. dialogue. Yeah, this that's what I love oh, about man. lightsaber fights is when they put the dialogue in it. And this is a great. This is not just the dialogue, but what they're saying is, for those of you who, who may not know, um, and it made me think of this too. Why is Grievous involved in this? What is what is mm-hmm. his so what is his motivation? Okay, you know, and he he says it right here. He says, you know what. I'm not in it for the politics, basically. You know, I'm not in it for, for Dooku. What am I in it for? I'm just here to kill Jedi. And it goes back to sort of an EU thing where uh, Grievous, to make a long story short here, Grievous basically was betrayed, or according to him, was betrayed by Jedi because in the Huck felish War, if I'm saying that right, or Felish War, or something like that, which is Grievous, that's his homeworld, Mm-hmm. The uh, Jedi came to to the Hux aid in in this particular war, and uh, it basically left Grievous's homeworld um, pretty much just barren and and people you know they're starving and and whole nine yards. So um, that coupled with um, it also says something about uh, Dooku um, basically blaming the Jedi for Grievous how he ended up as far as being a robot. Um, mm-hmm. Or a cyborg, basically. I mean, he's got the brain matter and a few other things. But uh, for any of you people that don't know, it's like, well, why does he hate the Jedi? What's the big deal? What's going on? That's kind of where that comes from. And and you learn why Grievous is, is doing this, is just to kill Jedi. And that's why he has all the sabers. And that, that was his main mission Yeah. As, as far as his droid army is concerned is, I'm just here to get rid of all the Jedi. So I don't know if you want to add anything to that. I don't know if... No, it was just it was just awesome to see Grievous as a character being fleshed out because right. I think in episode three he really doesn't get his fair share. And I think that none yeah, of the villains yeah. in the prequels really get their fair share right. of explanation. And and it's hard for us as fans to look at, at any of them and say that they're not good villains because we know we know everything else about them, you know? Like I I know the whole story of Dooku and everything else that he's done. I know that he was once a Jedi and that, you know, he was quite, you know, you, you get hints of these things in, in the movies, but you don't really get the depth to which, you know, we get being, you know, real fans and, and, and checking out the EU and, and learning about these characters. And, uh, and Grievous hasn't really had that opportunity yet to be expanded on. Right. And this, this series is really doing great things for that now. The beginning of it, you know, season one, the first half, it, it really wasn't. I think that they were just playing him as a one-note character up until Layer of Grievous, and even still, then, like he was just, just kind of, just kind of a bad guy. You know, he's just kind of a cartoon bad guy. Right. Um, but with this, you start to see that it's a little bit more deep than that. That there are motivations there, whether or not he said them yet, and that it, when it comes right down to it, he's really demented. You know, like oh, and yeah, that's really yeah. like that's at, at the heart of it. These other guys are are you know they fall into the dark side and and you know whatever that means or they're they're corrupt politicians or they're greedy money grubbing, you know trade federation, blah 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 all that stuff. But with Grievous, we see like this guy's a serial killer essentially. He is just insane and just yeah. wants to kill Jedi. Yeah. Whatever his motivation is is his motivation, but in my opinion, he really doesn't need one like that. That is good enough for me that he's just demented and has this thirst for power and, and Jedi blood. And, and that's good enough for me. Like that makes a great villain mm-hmm. in yeah. my opinion. 
So um, it's just cool to see him expressing that rather than us having to assume it. Right. Cool. Um, At the press of a button on his wrist control, the tactical droid sends painful electric surges through Koss' helpless body. He warns that one more shock will kill the Jedi Master. Skywalker uses the Force to pull the droid toward him and severs the droid's arm, knocking the wrist control away. A frenzied melee then erupts between the Jedi and the commando droids. All the while, the armless tactical droid scrambles to recover his device and his only source of leverage. Skywalker and Galea narrowly defeat the droids and free Koth from his prison. I love this moment at the at the end of the scene where where the the tactical droid does get his arm back and he yeah. has to push the button yeah. and he's it's his arm his arm's been chopped off <laughs> he find he grabs it finally he picks it up he's holding it in one hand and he starts laughing like he's won and it's this it's this really funny like ha ha yeah yeah because he's a droid right so he's he's laughing he's got his own sense of humor but he can't actually laugh yeah um. And he's holding this thing, and then you see his stump on the other side wiggling, yeah. and he looks at it, and he looks at the button, and he kind of goes, oh. Yeah, like Because yeah. he's holding the button, the arm with the button, in his other hand, yeah. which means he doesn't have a free hand to push the button on his arm. Yeah. So even though he's like, ha, I've won, it's like, no, you really haven't, and then Anakin cuts him in half. That's the kind of humor that I want to see on exactly. this show. Exactly. Right? Perfect, yeah. stuff, but like that, that it hits it exactly right. It's a really great comedic moment. Yeah, and he didn't have to say anything. It was just no. basically just from what he was doing. You're like, okay, that that worked. That was cool. Yeah, it was really funny. Yeah. So I just had to mention that for everybody. Oh yeah. I, Kenobi desperately dodges Grievous's whirlwind attacks. He uses the Force to hurl the shattered body of a Magna Guard droid directly into Grievous. Rather than surrender, Grievous scurries away. Kenobi radios to Skywalker that Grievous is on the move. With Koth rescued, the mission's priority shifts to preventing Grievous' escape. Anakin takes the injured Koth back to his shuttle while Adi Galea races ahead to intercept Grievous. Commander Cody and his troops try to cut off Grievous as he makes his way to the airlock. But the slippery cyborg overpowers them. Grievous orders his ship to open fire on the light cruiser's engines despite the point-blank range. He commands his troops to prepare their landing ships for transit to Seleucami. The light cruiser begins to wilt under the heavy assault, its engines erupting in flame. The clone crew desperately attempts to detach their ship from the Separatist destroyer, but they have lost all control. Kenobi arrives inside the docking tube, chasing Grievous as the whole conduit shudders and buckles from the death throes of the light cruiser. The, t- the two generals cross lightsabers again, but Grievous kicks his way free and makes it to his destroyer. You know, earlier um, it was <clears throat> Grievous. It looks like finally Obi-Wan Kenobi was going to have the upper hand. He used the force to yeah. throw some droids at him. And, you know, uh, Grievous is a great lights. Uh, he, you know, he's a good uh, swordsman. He was, tra- he was trained by um, Count Dooku. But the one thing he doesn't have is the Force, okay? And now we know why he's a fairly good, um, you know, against the Jedi, he's pretty good. Yeah. But without the Force, I mean, he's probably not going to win too many. I mean, I know he's, he's, he's killed a few Jedi. He's against, killed a bunch of Jedi Knights. That's the exactly, thing. Against yeah. a Jedi Knight, he's 
Yeah, it's, right. it's no competition. He's got generally two lightsabers, two to four lightsabers. Yeah, right. Yeah. But against a Jedi Master, he has some trouble because a Jedi Master has the ability to fight and use the Force and talk and outwit their opponent. So, it's, and I mean, especially Obi Wan, like. I think that that's why Grievous gets so upset when he sees Obi-Wan or when Obi-Wan shows up and he's like, I need to fight this guy face to face. Yeah. Because all of these other Jedi, he can just walk up and kill. Every other Jedi that he's encountered, he's he's almost killed or killed. But with Obi-Wan, he's never even gotten close at this point. Like, they battle and they battle and they battle, and Obi-Wan wins every encounter, but Grievous gets away. Like, that that's the only thing that's happening is that Obi-Wan's winning, but Grievous is escaping, yeah. and and uh, and that's why he's so upset by all of this. And I know? think he knows that because he always brings backup every time he fights. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. always got Magna Guards or Destroyers or whatever you want to call. It. You know, he's always got backup, but he still never can beat Kenobi. So I just want to put that in there. Um, there he faces Adi Galia, but their duel is cut short as the docking tube finally splits open. A gust of air rushing into vacuum. Blows the combatants apart. Cody grabs onto Kenobi before he tumbles, before he goes tumbling into the void. Grievous's metal claws allow him to cross the tilted deck plates, and he scrambles away. Galia braces herself against a bulkhead and fires a cable to Cody and Kenobi, who climb their way onto Grievous's ship. As Anakin's shuttle departs from the destroyer, he receives a distress message from Obi Wan. Skywalker tells Obi-Wan to meet him at the Destroyer's hangar, where he can extract them. Anakin soars into the hangar, hastily picking up, Obi- uh, picking up Kenobi, Galea, Cody, and a surviving clone onto his shuttle. Meanwhile, the infantry battle droids aboard the Destroyer are boarding long-wing landing ships to make planetfall on Seleucami. Grievous, too, boards one of the vessels. The light cruiser finally erupts in a huge explosion that washes over the destroyer. Shrapnel from the cruiser slams into Grievous's landing ship, sending it tumbling to Seleucami's surface. That Actually, that description is not, not even entirely accurate. It's not really that it's shrapnel. The ship itself right. kind of jerks down on top of the ship as it's descending. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what sends Grievous's ship careening on, into the planet. Yeah. And it was a really cool moment. I, I thought that was, rather than just have it an explosion take place or having the ship get blasted or something. Yeah. Uh, the Jedi return to their flagships as Grievous's destroyer lists away harmlessly. Obi-Wan Kenobi plans to take Commander Cody and Captain Rex with him to Seleucami to search for Grievous. Anakin will stay in orbit to mop up the space battle. Ethkoth, grateful to be rescued, will be taken to a medical frigate. Anakin, get me Admiral Yularen. Several craft detached from Grievous's ship and attempted to land on Salakamai. Then we'll have to land and follow them. Prepare the tanks. Yes, sir. There must be several landing sites. It may be hard to locate the good general. You'll have to command the space battle while Rex, Cody, and I head to the surface. You sure you can handle this on your own? I think I can manage. Oh, yes, I love the musical cues they put in there. Yeah. That was sweet. A little bringing you back there to the old, the old the OT. Um, yeah. And then also we get uh, 
you know, Eve Koth is brought off the ship, and and it what's kind of a been a recurring theme for the last couple episodes is we have another Jedi who said, you know what, <laughs> I would have given my life if it would have meant getting Grievous, and we heard that from uh, Barris. Uh, was it last last episode, I believe, where she said, you know what, just kill me, um, yeah, in, yeah, in order to save everybody. So we get a lot of these Jedi that that are willing to give their lives, but um, the, all the other Jedi are like, you know what, you know, you're you're more important to us. We'll get Grievous the next time, you know. Yeah. You know? So yeah. kind of a cool. Um, I thought. <laughs> One thing that I found really funny about sort of the end of the episode, and and really this episode in general, is that as, as we all know, Anakin and Grievous can't meet. Exactly. They can't yeah. Come face to face. Yeah. And Obi Wan's going down to the surface to get Grievous, and I think it's kind of a funny nod to it when Anakin's like, "Let me come with you," and Obi Wan's like, "No, no, I think that you're better off up here." Yeah. You know, mopping up the space battle. And it's <laughs> like, you know what? Yeah. Honestly, that's true. So it's not. It's it's not contrived. It makes perfect logical sense. Anakin's a great starfighter pilot. He's going to jump into his Jedi starfighter along with some, you know, uh, V-19 torrents behind him. And they're going to mop it up and they're going to finish up the space battle and take out and, you know, he'll command the, the rest of the fleet. Um, but, uh, but it is, it feels a little bit contrived for those of us who know yeah. That Anakin can't go with Obi Wan. Yeah, exactly. It leads to a really great episode in the next episode with Obi Wan on the planet, without without Anakin. Um, and you know, it's like I've been saying, we've seen a lot of Obi Wan, but not a lot of Obi Wan on his own. Yeah. But with this episode and uh, and the next episode, we finally get to see a bit more of that. Yeah. Which I am grateful for because uh, I like me some Obi Wan. Oh yeah. So that was it, man. That was a. Like I said, great start to 2010, man. Action packed, some good Dude, dialogue. It's, it's in my top man. three episodes. I mean, yeah. we all know Trespass is my favorite. Nothing has topped it yet because Trespass was even on as a repeat this weekend on Teletoon. Right. And I watched it on TV, <laughs> yeah. even though I have it on Blu ray. I mean, I could have thrown in the Blu ray and watched it, but no, I watched it on TV because yeah. it was on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, just because I love that episode. Uh, and, and I don't think that anything's quite gotten there yet for me. Um, yeah, but, uh, but this one, this one competes like, I would say, you know, for my top two episodes, it's, it's uh, trespass and then grievous intrigue and, uh, and children of the force are tied for, yeah. for two. Yeah. So, Definitely. uh, cause they're both, they're just as awesome as one another, but for different reasons. So I, uh, yeah, I, but I love this episode and I hope that we get to see some more awesome action like this. Oh yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, um, with that, should we, uh, head on over to the mailbag, huh? Yeah. Let's jump in the mailbag. Uh, All right. All right. (laughs) We took the Falcon to the mailbag. Here we go. (laughs) It's a quick, it's a, it's just a, uh, quick jump through hyperspace. Oh, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> uh, this one is from Peter Schonberg. He says, hi, guys. My idea on Ahsoka going away is that in some circumstance, Anakin has to decide whether to save Ahsoka or Padme. Anakin saves Padme, but not Ahsoka, and Ahsoka dies. So this is um, this is Peter's uh, basically, you know, we've talked about Ahsoka and, and what's going to happen. Yeah. And that's probably one of the biggest questions going into uh 
this season and the rest of the series is what's going to happen to her. And this is uh, Peter's um, theory on what might happen. And actually it's not a bad little theory. You know, uh, we know Anakin has, you know, you know, his feelings on Padme and we know his feelings on Ahsoka. And I'm sure those are just going to continue to grow throughout the series. So uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility that, you know, Anakin could, could have to um, decide to save one of the two. Um, I don't know. I, I'm thinking that uh, the more I see her, the more I want to see her make it through. And and hopefully, you know, someday they can, she can be put on to the episode three disc or along with some other characters I'd like to see. And that's what's cool yeah. about the digital realm is hopefully I know some people don't like this, but it doesn't bother me when he goes back in and adds things, especially if it's stuff yeah. from this Clone Wars. I'd be all for that. And I know people hate that when when Lucas goes in and changes this and that. And, and that's fine. I mean, if that's what you feel, that's fine. But for me, I'm cool with it. If you want to mess with it some more, go ahead. Because the next time I watch it, it's like another movie again. You know, new things. Yeah, for sure. So, Well, I mean, I love the special editions. And, and I love... Uh... I love that every time he puts out a new DVD or whatever, that there's something different. Yeah, I mean, that's... You know, because it's like... It, 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 yeah. I, other people say it's just him going for more cash, and sure, it probably is. But uh, I also think it's it's just his tendency to never really be finished with a movie. Yeah. Um, and uh, and for me, it's like, it's like you just said, you know, every time it's something new. It's like, you know what? It's not even George Lucas. If somebody else wants to go into episode three and digitally add in Ahsoka. I think that would be awesome. The same way that, that, uh, Adiwan has done his, uh, exactly. Star Wars revisited, right? right? Like he goes in and he fixes a new hope. He takes the special edition and he takes it another step further right. and he makes it even better. And he's doing the same thing with empire. And I mean, we've talked about Star Wars revisited on the show before. And, uh, and I don't have any problem with that. And I don't think that you'll ever really get a definitive, vision of star wars because it could just keep going forever and ever and ever you can keep adding stuff and keep putting layers on top of layer um and for us for the real fans it doesn't really ever get old but my only problem with this theory is that this would have to happen sooner rather than later right um because padme at the beginning of episode three makes the comment that it's been a long time since her and Anakin have seen each other. And I think that at some point they're going to have to start addressing that in the Clone Wars. I think that's probably a season four thing that we'll get into season four and it'll be like every other episode, Anakin will be mentioning, man, it's been a long time since we've been back to the Jedi temple. Right. Good point. saying, well, we're supposed to be out here doing this. And he's like, yeah, but I'd really like some rest to go home. And he's like, it's not really important. It's more important that we be out here. And it's like, you know, that there's something else sort of drawing him back to Coruscant and, uh, and to not see Padme, you know, sort of coming out to see him because the, I expect the, the battles to kind of get more intense and when, it'll be when they hit the outer rim sieges, right? When that right. starts, yeah. um, that'll be sort of the end of their relationship for a while. So it would have to happen before that. It would have to happen before the outer rim sieges. I could see that happening, but I could also not see Ahsoka being out of the series at the end of season three. That would mean that we've only got a season and a half left of her. Right, like, right. That's the thing that you have to put into perspective. We're almost done season two. Right, yeah. <laughs> we are, we're, what, uh, 
10 episodes into it at the end of deserter which means that we've got about we're we're coming into the home stretch right we're coming in there's about 10 or 11 more episodes left i think right uh, what was there's 22, 22 so it'll be another right? yeah so we've got another 12. 12 yeah let's say tentatively another 12. um so we're we are halfway through season two which means that we're almost at season three which is a funny way to think about it, but but really it's true. Um, we're closer to season one than we are to season three, but you know we're getting we're getting closer every week. So um, it would have to happen pretty soon, and I just don't think that they're ready to do that with her character yet. Probably not. So, yeah. So we'll see. see. We'll see. I think that the big twist is that Ahsoka is not going to die. The the further we get into this. Right the more I think that. And maybe that's sort of them trying to lull us into a false sense of security so that they can kill her towards <laughs> yeah, the end of the series. Know, right? but yeah, that'd be a shocker. I don't know. I just I just see it happening differently. I just see her, her living and then being added into episode three or something like that, you know, yeah, so. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Um, let's hit the so, uh, forum post of the week. So this is from uh, JC from NH Hampshire. once again. He's uh, one of our resident posters. He posts a lot of stuff. And uh, his post subject is Avatar, enough said. And he, he goes on to say, if you have seen Avatar, let's hear what you think about it. I saw it in 3D at an IMAX and, it w- and was blown away. It was the most visually stunning movie I have ever seen. ILM and Weta teaming up really have set the new standard in an effects movie. I guess that Cameron fellow did a pretty good job as well. On another note, is it just me or do you watch the credits of a movie just to see if Industrial Light and Magic did the effects for the movie? So uh, so I guess we're going to talk about Avatar really quick. We don't have a lot of time left for the episode, yeah. but uh, so we're not going to get too in-depth. And, you know, this is a Star Wars podcast. So. Well, here's my thing. I wanted to put a Star Wars spin on it, and this is how. Right. Okay. Um, now, of course, ILM and Weta looks like teamed up, and we know ILM is George Lucas's uh, effects studio. But yeah. um, back in '93, a movie called Jurassic Park came out, and that's when George Lucas saw that, and he goes, "You know what? I think it's time for me to hit some more movies and to mess with." Uh, yeah. The uh, and and that's we know that he said that we've seen it on the documentaries. We know that now. There's been a lot of rumblings lately, a couple of, uh, I don't know, through the internets and interwebs, if you want to call it, you know, hey, on the Twitters, on the Twitters hey, new Star Twitters. Wars movies are coming out, man, Avatar's coming out, and it's 3D, and, and Star Wars is going to come out now, and is, here's the thing, is this the type of movie, and this the type of, um, what's the word I'm looking for, the, oh, Right. As far as the special effects and all that, to where George Lucas says, you know what, the the industry's coming around, the effects are coming around to where maybe I want to do some more movies again. You know, because we've heard Lucas say, you know what, the 3D technology isn't quite there yet for me to to mess with it yet or to do anything. Is this the movie where he goes, you know what, maybe it is there, maybe maybe not new movies, but maybe here's Star Wars, the original trilogy in 3D. You know that was that is my question to to this subject and this post and to everybody out there and to you 
you know, is this the movie that's going to put George Lucas over the top and go, okay, I think we are ready, or like I, Jurassic I think Park gonna, did for the first trilogy. Yeah. I think it's going to show him that 3D is is capable. Because you've seen it. You've seen the movie. I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, I have seen it. I've seen it in 3D. So. And it's it, the 3D really is mind-blowing. Like, it, it will okay. take you to another place. Like, as Star Wars fans... I think that this is exactly what we hope to do with Star Wars movies and with with the Star Wars experience or with any sci-fi fantasy experience. Right. Um, just as geeks in general. Is that, you know, we want to be taken away to these other worlds and, and shown that there's all these other possibilities out there. And, uh, and this movie really does a great job of doing that. Um, the problem is that this movie was made start to finish with the intent of 3D. Yeah, okay. Uh, that was that was clear from the get go. I think maybe not from the get go, but at least for the last few years. So with the movie coming out, it was built for 3D from the ground up. Yeah. Um, even with the prequels, they weren't built for 3D. So you weren't using the right kind of cameras necessarily. You're not using the right kind of techniques in order to get right. you know the these different elements that allow you to make it a 3D movie. Um. Especially with the older stuff, I mean, I can see why he's hesitant to not do it. I can also see that he's doing that they're doing something else. They are doing something else with the Star Wars saga, whether it's a definitive edition or a new special edition or whatever they're doing. That's the edition that's going to come out in 3D in the theaters. And I think that's why we haven't seen them on Blu-ray. I think that's why we haven't heard anything about this stuff. I really honestly think that that digital distribution stuff that Steve Sansweet said is all a smokescreen. Um, yeah. Whether or not he meant it to be, or and and uh, you know Lucasfilm is just jumping on that and saying yeah 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 digital distribution. We're just waiting to see. Um, I think that that the truth of it is that they're doing something. They're going back and they're fixing stuff. They're making it better. They're they're taking it to the next level, and uh, and that we're gonna we haven't even heard because it's like there are there are what there's three locations right because there's um, there's two in San Francisco isn't there isn't there the 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 animation and there's like ILM right, essentially right exactly and then there's also Skywalker Ranch. Skywalker it's not Ranch like, and uh, I believe the Presidio. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Presidio is in that's in San, San Francisco, Francisco, right? Yes. Yeah, that and uh, and the, it's sort of like these three locations that have sort of been set up to do things. Now we know what's going on at ILM. They're making movies. They're making all these movies. They're working on Iron Man two. They're working on all the other Marvel stuff. They're working on. DC stuff, they're working on whatever, right? Like, they're just doing what ILM does, which is everything. Um, and we know what the animation wing of the Presidio, or if it's a separate compound, I don't know. Like, we know what the animation is doing. They're doing Clone Wars, and there's rumors of another animated series in the works with Lucasfilm Animation. And we've all, there's also Lucasfilm Animation in, uh, in Korea or wherever, somewhere in, in Southeast Asia where they do a lot of the actual animation animation and not like the writing and uh, voice work and that sort of thing and uh, development. But uh, we've, we've also got Skywalker ranch, which is 
suspiciously left out of everything since the Presidio opened. Nobody really talks about what's going on at Skywalker Ranch, if there's anything going on at Skywalker Ranch, because all of the Skywalker Sound stuff has been moved to the Presidio, which that took up a lot of room at the ranch. That was a lot of it, that and ILM, right? Right. And uh, and it's been suspiciously quiet as far as press releases and this and that and the other thing. And I'm sure that you can go up there and you can see that they're that they're working on stuff because because you can go there and take tours, right? But um, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. There might be some investigative journalism that needs to be done there because <laughs> I think I yeah. think that they're doing something. I think that they're getting ready for for the Blu-ray and uh, and possibly something bigger. Yeah. And that stuff that we've been talking about on the show, um, that we've just talked about with Ahsoka and you know other things like that, I think that those things might be in the works. I think that those definitive editions of the movies, um, kind of like extended editions of the Lord of the Rings stuff, or you know, yes. what have you, definitely, uh, you know, final cuts of other movies like Blade Runner that have just come out recently. I think that sort of thing is going on. And uh, so, and and we'll see in the next few years if that bears any any truth. But but I don't know. I hope so. I don't know. We'll see. Avatar Avatar makes me believe uh, that that these things are possible. This 3D and and uh, and better effects and all that sort of thing. Um, and it's just a, a matter of waiting to see what yeah. Mr. Lucas is doing because he's not doing those independent movies he said he was going to be doing. Yeah. Right. Right. That I haven't heard anything about him doing any short, you know, films or yeah. anything like that. Like he was claiming to at the end of episode three. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, hopefully, we'll see. hopefully. Well, um, but before we get into our upcoming episode description, um, I have a sketch to give away. Oh, you have a, yeah, we have a contest. We have the contest, man. So let's do that real quick. Um, okay. I'm going to. I took all the submissions. I have them in a hat, and I'm shaking up the hat now. I'm just all I'm doing is pulling out a, a name out of a hat, and there we go. That's our winner. So here we go. Pulling. This is happening. This live. is happening live. I am shaking the hat right now, and this was not pre-recorded. This was not pre-recorded for this pre-recording. Here we go, <laughs> and the winner is the Falcon. Drum roll. Smith. From Memphis, Tennessee, you are the proud owner of the Clone Wars sketch by Tom Hodges. There you go. I was I was ready to do <laughs> like my own manual drum roll, like I'm tapping on the table. Uh-huh. I don't know what kind of sound that just made, but um, started my drum roll, and and then you played a drum roll. You make me look like a goof. <laughs> I should have told you. Oh, so there you go, Chris. I was not briefed on this before, but congratulations. Hey, this thing is cool, uh, Mr. This thing is cool. There. And you know what it is about these? I watched uh, Tom draw this thing, and there's a picture on the Clone Wars website, yeah. and I'm just fascinated because I can't even draw a stick figure. And to see, to see, <laughs> and you're in the same boat because I know you can draw. I've seen your stuff, and we've probably all seen it. And to see somebody sit down and just to draw in about 15 to 20 minutes to add color and do yeah. it out of his head, I mean, it just fascinates me because it's something that I cannot do. It's you know, it, it's just it's crazy. And he was just pulling that day. He had done. He was on like his fourth sketch. He had done like a, I think it was a, oh, who was it? I mean, he did my Vader for me, and and I was looking through his portfolio and just a ton of great stuff. So 
this is a cool sketch, Chris. You're going to love this thing. I got a frame for you, and I'll send it out this week. I'll give you an email That's later awesome. on this week to let you know it's on the way. So congratulations. So I just just on the just on the contest note, I'm sure that you guys, you listeners, are, are loving the heck out of this. Um, so uh, I'd like to hear from some people and, and get some ideas for some contests moving into the rest of the sure, year. Because yeah. I think what we're going to do is uh, we will do one contest a month. And, uh, and the way that we're going to do it is uh, – I haven't even discussed this with Matt yet. This is an idea I had the other day. Um, and it's sort of building on, on what you did with this one, Matt, where you just said, you know, email in. Um, if you send an email in the month of, let's say, because January is sort of done. We just gave this away. But let's actually, let's say at the end of January, we'll do another contest because okay. um, I have a couple of things to give All away. Right. And uh, the way that we'll do this contest is if you email us, just a general email. You don't email us with just a blank email. If you email us with nothing, just your name, uh, you'll you'll be disqualified. We won't, I'll, I'll ju- we'll just take those out, out of the running. But if you email us with comments, questions, whatever, you know, the sort of emails that we read on the air every week, um, your name will be put into the hat for the contest for the month. So uh, so just by being fans, just by participating, you'll be entered into the contest so that it's not this extra thing where you got to send in an email or answer a trivia question or whatever. It's just you know, our way of saying thanks for contributing to the show on a weekly right. basis. So, uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I, does that sound good? No, to you, Matt? That'll work. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, so that's how we're going to do this moving forward. And we'll do one contest a month. And with our last episode of every month, we will, we'll announce a winner. Um, so that gives you, uh, you know, the better part of the month to get your emails in to comment on whatever episodes uh, to ask us whatever questions you want, just uh, just send in your emails, and every month we will we'll give one of our email listeners, uh, one of our email senders, a prize for taking the time to say yeah. hi. So uh, involved the show. With that, yeah. yeah, with that we'll move into the upcoming episode, which is the deserter, which most of you have probably already seen because it aired the same night as Grievous Entry. Right. Uh, did you have anything else to add for the deserter? Well, like you said when we started, you know, um, we wanted to break this up because, of course, we have the long break. And you know what? It's kind of nice to have one episode per podcast because yeah, there's a lot to talk about. And we like this episode, yeah. we got to explore it a lot more than we probably would have cramming two episodes yeah. into one. You know, we had to do that in the beginning of the year because they were stacked up um, for the season premiere. But, uh, you know, if this happens in the future, we'll most likely do this and, and give it another week. And, uh, yeah. you know, like you know, the deserter has a lot of stuff in it that it deserves. It does. Episodes. That's what I thought. Too. Both um, of them. The episode itself, kind of an episode, but the questions that it raises and the stuff that it brings up and the the things that it puts into official canon yes. need to be discussed at length. Yeah. So so having it be its own episode is really important. for us. Definitely. Definitely. Cool. So uh, I guess that's our episode for this week. Thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, Don't forget to check us out online at www.clonewarspodcast.com, which will be getting an upgrade within the next month or two. Uh, I am I'm I'm about halfway done, so 
uh, that's going to happen. We're also there might be downtime at some point in January or February, um, just so that you guys know, because I'm going to be upgrading the site to the new version. Uh, you can, but in the meantime, even if the site's down, you can still follow us on Twitter. Our username is Clone Wars. Uh, you can head over to Facebook and join our group or become a fan of us. That is Facebook.com/slash Clone Wars Podcast. Uh, and you can, as always, join us on the Geek Out Loud forums at www.geekoutpodcast.com slash forums. And, uh, and as one last little note, I'll let you guys know, uh, I appeared recently on another podcast. Actually, this happened just before Christmas, and it was to talk about Avatar. So if you want to hear a bit more about what I have to say about Avatar, uh, you can head over to fancoredaily.com. I will warn you before you head over there, it is not necessarily appropriate for the youngins. Uh, it is mature content, um, and that's, it's not my podcast. It's another person's podcast, but I do get a little bit <laughs> more mature than I am here on, on Frontlines because I know that we got you, uh, you younger guys listening. So, um, so just be forewarned that there, there is some... Uh, mildly offensive language that gets used uh some curse words are thrown about but uh but if you're if if you are of age to be hearing that sort of business and uh you want to hear what i had to say about avatar and if you just want to check out a cool podcast because uh my my friend johnny does does that is fancore pirate radio is the name of the podcast head over to fancoredaily.com they just got a new uh, website facelift, and they need some traffic over there. So, um, and you guys can tell them how much you love their site. Uh, in, in which turn, I, I will hear about it because I'm the one who designed it. Tell so, them Clone Wars sent you. That's ya. my plug. Yeah, tell them Clone <laughs> Wars sent you. That Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast sent you. Um, with that, I, I guess we will we will see you guys see next, y'all week. next week. See you all next week. May the force be with you.